Good morning, one and all. This is your host, Pastor, Pastor Patrick L. Tate, founder of 5PM, which is the acronym for Pastor Patrick's Praise Prayer Preach Ministry. Also, I'm Apostle Patrick, one of those called and chosen of the Lord to do a work for Jesus Christ, to tell a dying world about a living Savior, to tell those who are hopeless that there is hope in Jesus Christ due to my personal experience with him when I was at a point in life of hopelessness. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. If you notice, I have started out a little different today than usual, and that's simply because this is one of the most difficult podcasts that I have to do that I believe I'll ever have to do in my life due to what I'm discussing today. And what I am discussing with you today is difficult because it's a part of my life as we speak right now, currently. And uh, what I would like to do before I give you the topic, I would like to read a verse of scripture to you to help you to know that if you are dealing with this same thing, that the Lord is there to help you. God is on your side in spite of how it may appear or in spite of how things may feel or even look. God is on your side and I'm going to do my best with the assistance of the Holy Ghost to help you to know how to cope with and deal with this situation. Amen. I would like to Read from the book of Matthew, chapter 18, starting at verse 1. And the scripture says, At that same time came the disciples unto Jesus. Glory to God. Excuse me. Get this lighting right here saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye become, or be, excuse me, converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever, therefore, shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And furthermore, excuse me, the verse, verse, the next verse says, and uh, what shall or rather, whoso shall receive one 
such little child in my name receiveth me. That's the key scripture right here. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Praise our God. And I'm trying to get to this verse that talks about our children having angels. They have angels that are facing God daily for instructions and in what to do for the children. Hallelujah. So it's in verse 10. I'm going to take it from there. It says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of the face of my father which is in heaven thank you jesus so that's letting it be known they're getting their instructions in how to tend to the child by god and this is going to lead us into our topic and you're going to see once again why it's a little difficult to talk about this because I am personally dealing with it, but I kind of feel my help coming now to talk about this through the word of God. Thank you for your word, Lord. And the topic is life with foster care. Semicolon. How do we cope? Question mark. Life with Foster care, semicolon, how do we cope? Question mark. Gracious and eternal God, I'm going to need you today. I ask that you help me here in the delivery of this particular word that you have commissioned me and summons me to minister concerning. Word my mouth, give me what to say to the hearer that they may be helped and blessed behind what they hear on this day. Let this word be a help and a life-changing help to them as well for the suffering, for the pain and agony that they've had to encounter due to foster care in the name of Jesus and give them a new hope and a new glimpse of light that there is yet hope for them 
because they're hearing something that they probably never heard before. In the name of Jesus, I pray and ask these things to God be the glory in advance for the things that he has done. Increase as I decrease and you will be glorified in Jesus name. Amen. Foster care. For one, I want to give you the definition of foster. I looked that up and the definition of foster means to develop or compose something that is generally, keyword generally, good. I'll say it again, to develop or to compose something that is generally good, not compose, excuse me, promote, I'm, I apologize, not compose, promote, to develop or promote something that is generally good promote that's that's it right there promote thank you holy ghost for helping me remember that something that is generally another key word good now for the sake of bringing some comfort to those who are dealing with uh, uh, foster care in this phase of their life i want you to know that Ecclesiastes is right when it says there is no new thing under the sun. We can go all the way back to the book of Genesis and see, although these were not babies in every instance, or this was not a baby in this instance, but although he was an underaged child, he was not an adult yet when he went into foster care, if you will. And he went in through one of the most deceptive and horrific ways, similar to myself. He was forced into foster care through family members that hated him. And that would be Joseph. In the book of Genesis there, the son of Jacob, who when he was driven from home was under 18 years old. He was driven from home by his brethren who hated him because his father loved him. And what that did was took approximately 20 years out of his life away from home. In that Surprisingly, God had a plan through the horrific separation of Joseph being separated from his own family in such an abrupt and belligerent way. God had a plan to use him to later on down the years save his family from destruction. And you can read that story starting at around Genesis chapter 42, around that area. Actually, chapter 40, chapter 40, Genesis chapter 40. You start reading there, you'll see what happened. And that was for a good cause, but the way it was done was wrong. And that's generally what happens in foster care. We don't know what God has in store for our children. We don't know what it is God wants to do through them in life. 
All we know is that they were born in our care. And sometimes we underestimate family. Sometimes we underestimate people whom you never would think would uh, set you up for a downfall such as foster care for no valid reason because there is no valid reason for a person to have to go through foster care if it's something they did not do to get there, like Joseph. I know in my instance, and I'll make this brief, mine happened due to the hatred of a relative, an in-law, their hatred for preachers. And not only did they have hatred for me, their hatred for their own child, their daughter. And in that, because they were not thinking properly, being on medication, they took medication and went and made a phone call being retired from social services, knowing what to say. Also a student of paralegal and made a phone call to the right sources to come and take our children who were two years old, a son, and two months old, another son at the time. That was something I never would have dreamed would have happened in our life. And it was done, which lets you know it was done illegally, without an investigation. They just came one night out of the blue, an IA worker by the name of Basia, African boy, came out of nowhere. After hours, this is how you know it was illegal. It was done after hours. They know when to move, when to strike. They don't do it during the hours when uh, you can uh, immediately retaliate legally so by making the right call. This was done at 5.30 in the evening when everything was closed concerning that type of work. And came and told the shocking news in my living room. See, I came to take your boys. Your boys, we got a disturbing phone call and I came to take your boys. I said, you're not taking my boys nowhere. And the whole thing was, as I said, it was hatred for my wife and I. And how we knew they did it is that the Basia guy said, well, I'm going to call the police. They'll have to come and I said, that's, not, that's the only way you'll get them. You're not taking my boys nowhere. And when they come, you're not taking them nowhere. He went outside, called the police and waited for them to come. In the meantime, my wife called her mother. And when she called her mother, who stayed about 15 minutes away, she was in the house in less than five minutes waiting. She was waiting for the call because she had done it while she was on medication. Okay. Long story short, police told me that since they were called on the scene, they would have to take my boys away and that I would get them back. But they had to take them due to the call. And there were two police officers, both Caucasian, one male, one female. The male was a skinhead. And he didn't want to talk. He didn't want to reason. In fact, he was ready to tase me. 
the female stopped and said, wait a minute. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. She looked up because we weren't getting we weren't getting anywhere. We were there hours arguing about my children. She looked up and said, something's not right about this. She said, I feel it. But she said, because we were called. Please go with this so we won't have to hurt you. And she said, I want you to tell your boys. Don't tell them goodbye, but tell them I will see you later. All of these are key things in dealing with life itself because words are powerful. You give life to words that you speak. If you tell your child goodbye, that's what you'll get. But I told my boys, I will see you later. And what let me know who did it because when the boys began to want to stay with me and cry, mother-in-law got up and tipped out the back door. And as, I, as she was tipping out, the Holy Spirit said, she did that. And I looked at her and said, you? And she started crying, talking about, I'm sorry, but that wasn't going to fix it. And she, she made her way down the stairs. Okay. Now, let's get into what to do when this kind of situation occurs in your life. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, as I just read to you, lets it be known how valuable and important your child is to God. Jesus says that you have to, as a grown person, if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, humble yourselves as a little child. And he says that if you handle a child that believes in him, it's just like you're handling him. So it's good to teach your child if you if you haven't, I pray that they learn, but teach them how to pray. Some have taught their children how to pray, even something as simple as, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That's a connection between Jesus and the child. They may not know about salvation. They might be too young to understand salvation but they can pray that prayer. And God hears children's prayers. I want you to know that. Some people who are religious and feel like God only hears certain type of people praying, they got it twisted. God hears children's prayers. If that gives you any hope, and if that child knows how to pray, even something that simple as now nah, lay me down to sleep, God hears that. And he will answer that and he will adhere to that and tend to that child amen because he has angels facing him as we read, read there in Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 he has angels facing him daily concerning your child your child your child to get instructions hallelujah and how to handle that child today a lot of us don't know that that's why our children are hurting because we don't ask God to send angels, send my child's angel to him, to her, to protect him while she's in school, while he's in school, while on that bus, while on that field trip, while in the presence of that teacher, 
while here, while there, how, however old they are as they mature, send his angel, her angel with him, with her. And they are assigned to take care of them. Praise our God. But I want you to know, in order for God to also tend to your child's needs, give that child to God. Give that situation to God because you can't fix it. You're fighting a losing battle if you try to fix it yourself. Give the situation to God. Now, if you have the money to get a good attorney, God bless you. Hallelujah. And get everything you've got coming for the pain and suffering that you've been through for this type of activity, illegal placement. And what I want to mention as far as the paralegal study that my relative or that my family member took, paralegals know how to put parents in categories of being malicious and negligent. And that's right up the alley of a foster a foster care worker. That's right up their alley. And this incident took place in my life, my family's life, and on March 16th, 2012. It was hot. It was very hot that year in the spring, in the 90s. Muggy. And in all of that, I guess the heat made some people crazy. Because we end up dealing with that during that time. We weren't married. They asked us. We weren't married. And that was my downfall as a child of God. I was going through some things and I messed up and got involved in an ungodly relationship. And it opened the door for the devil to come in. If I were married, it would have been different. But I wasn't. It's the truth of the matter. But God has forgiven and straightened all that out because I've repented. And so has my wife of the things that we have done prematurely to marriage. Amen. So what I want you to know is that God will take the case that you're dealing with. God will take that situation and he will get in the midst of it. If you ask him to, if you invite him in, you have to ask him in. Otherwise he won't come in because he doesn't come unless he's asked into any situation in life because once he's asked that way he knows you really trust him and that way he knows you will look to him to really help you in that situation because you're asking him amen so jesus made it known in the matthew chapter 18 in matthew rather chapter 18 that hallelujah you have angels that are Tending to your child. Amen. They will tend to your child. And also this is a sense of relief to know that if the child is offended in any way, that person has gotten away with nothing. Nothing. I want to remind you that person has gotten away that may have offended the child with nothing because the Bible says, Jesus said out of his mouth, it would be better for that individual for a millstone to be hanged around their neck and that they be drowned than to offend one of God's little children. The Lord means that. 
because that child was made to care for, not be offended. And if a person has the gall and the boldness to take a person's child, house them improperly, clothe them improperly, treat them improperly, talk to them improperly, sometimes physically handle them improperly, whatever the case may be, they may as well get ready because the Bible means what it says. And the thing about that is, whatever a person does, they do not get away with it. Sin is sin, and that's a form of sin, because Jesus said, don't do it. If a person does that, they do not get away with it. They do not get away with it. They will be dealt with. It may take time. You might not see the results that you want as soon as you want them. But trust and believe the Bible says they will be handled because it would be, it would be better for them that a millstone were hanged about their neck and that they be drowned in the sea than to offend one of God's little children. Hallelujah. We go back to foster care in the Bible. You have Joseph, I just want to call out a couple of people who were fostered in the Bible. You have Joseph, and I explained, I explained what happened with his situation briefly because I don't want to take much time on those stories and explain them. I just want to let you know that there's no new thing under the sun. You have Moses in Exodus chapter 2. He was fostered, and it was to save his life, actually. His mother, during the time that he was fostered, Moses was three months old, and his mother made a basket, a miniature ark to put him in to save his life because the Pharaoh had put out a new rule and that was because the children of Israel were multiplying so speedily in Egypt and they were such a stronger people and it was more of them than it was the Egyptians until the new Pharaoh who did not know Joseph wanted them dead. He wanted them to be fearful of them because he was afraid that if a war broke out, this is this was his words, if a war breaks out and they take side with our enemies, they'll defeat us. There was no war at the time, but that was a thought the devil put in his in his mind to bring bondage to God's people and to treat them ill and to treat them ungodly and to treat them really mean and unhuman, you know. And they were bearing children quickly. They were having children real fast. And the Pharaoh said, everyone that has a, a male child, take that baby and throw him in the Nile River and let him drown and be eaten by the alligators. And it went from two years old down. When he made that law, if the child was two years old already, they got snatched from their home and thrown in the Nile River. Now, that's not foster care. That's genocide. That's murder. And they did that. But Moses' mother hid him in the house until he was three months old. And when he would cry, he got loud with it. And she did not want them to come and take her baby and just throw him in the river. So she made an ark put it in the river along the flags, what we call the weeds, like the seaweeds, the tall weeds along the shore there, along the banks, and let it just kind of drift through the flags, and had uh, 
his older sister Miriam to watch the ark and see what would happen. And the ark landed, now this was God. The ark landed in a spot where the Pharaoh's daughter and her handmaidens would go and bathe. And they went and saw the ark, got it out the water, opened it, saw that Moses was a beautiful child, and he started crying. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And when he started crying, Pharaoh said, I will take and raise this child. This is a beautiful child. It's a Hebrew baby, but he's beautiful. And around that time, his sister Miriam came up to her and said, because she heard what she said, said, would you like me to find somebody to nurse the child for you? She said, yes, do that. Go find somebody to nurse this child for me and to raise him. And I will pay her her money. She went home and got her mother, brought her mother to Pharaoh's daughter. And Pharaoh's daughter, they didn't tell him who they were. Pharaoh's daughter said, raise this child and I will pay you your wages. And she raised her own son and got paid to raise her own son. Tell me that's not God. But here's where the foster care came in. When he was of a certain age, the daughter wanted him and she had to release him to Pharaoh's daughter. But he had been taught his ways or taught the ways of the children of Israel. He had been taught things that children would understand, even to the point of maybe eight, nine years old. It doesn't give his age, but he was a boy. He was he was walking, talking and all that when he was given to Pharaoh's daughter. And he grew in Pharaoh's house. He dressed as an Egyptian because he was in that house. He learned the Egyptian ways because he was in that house. He knew how they maneuvered. He knew how they carried on because he was in that house. And at the age of 40, he left the house because he saw a scuffle going on between a Hebrew and an Egyptian. And he looked both ways to see if anybody was looking and he killed the Egyptian for his brother and buried that Egyptian in the sand. And the next day he saw another scuffle between two Hebrews and he went to him and said, why do you strive against each other? Your brothers. And they, one of them said, who are you to determine what we're to do and what we're not to do? Who, who made you judge for a day? And furthermore, what are you going to kill one of us like you killed the Egyptian? Moses found out that thing was known and fled for his life because Pharaoh, once he found out, would have killed him. But he lived to be a man in that house. God was with him in that house, as well as Joseph. God was with Joseph, thank you, Jesus, when he was sold to strangers. You might as well say foster care before he came, became grown. Sold to strangers. God was with him. And the Bible tells you in both instances that God was with him. We can look in the book of Daniel. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were in foster care. All three of them were in foster care because they were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon to serve under Nebuchadnezzar. Hallelujah. And the Bible plainly says that God was with them. 
Yes, they got their names changed to Belteshazzar for Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah became Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But they still remembered their God and their teachings in their home. They didn't forget. And they didn't sell out because God was with them. And that's what I want to leave with you today. God is with your child. God is with your children. They are not alone. God would not ever leave your children to fend for themselves in a system like we're living in today. If he didn't do it then, he won't do it now. God does not change. He, he says, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. If I'm that way, then I'm the same way now. I'm the same God. And I will do for you what I've done for the children of Israel and I'll do it for you. If you ask me into your situation, give your situation to God. Give it to God. Let God fix it because the outcome will be so much better. It'll bring peace to your life. It took me a while to give my situation to God. To be honest, I didn't do it immediately. I didn't because I, I didn't understand what was happening. I went into a shock and didn't know it. I went into shock and life became nothing but autopilot. I did things by routine, hoping that I would wake up because I was having a terrible nightmare. That's what I thought. It was that bad. However, the Lord brought me through it when I started getting visitations. I started getting visitations and he started bringing me through it and snapping me out of it. But I still stayed in autopilot because I was not used to people telling me when my child could come and go because I'm supposed to be some Brutus that they won't even tell me to this day what I'm supposed to have done. I was accused and my wife was accused of being cognitively challenged. They took us through all types of psycho kind of analytical stuff. And we, we went through it for our children. We sat in court for two years straight, never to be able to say a word to a losing battle because it didn't dawn on me till the second year at the end what we were up against. And I finally heard them. When I started coming out of that shock, I finally heard everyone, the case manager, the judge, the guardian at Lightham, the, the attorney that uh, represented my wife and the attorney that represented me. They would always end their title description with, we are friends to the court. We are friends to the court, which means we had no choice. We had no, we had no hope in that, period. But I want to conclude with this. We got married way before this got deep as it got now. We got married. We were going to get married before they came, but the preacher bagged out on us. But we got married on April 21st, 2012. And when we got married, things began to change and look better for us. They began to get better for us. Gradually, not all at once, but they began to get better for us. And when we did, God blessed us with our first and our only daughter. We have a daughter. They tried to pull that routine on our daughter. They, 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 they sent a lady to the house who was a, a caseworker and said that our daughter was born with Oxycontin and meth in her system. And my wife and I don't even use the stuff. We don't even know what it looks like, but that's what they put down. 
And the lady said, I can't do this to this family because they're not taking that stuff. And she told us they had her crying. I'll leave her nameless. Them people had her crying because she would not lie for them. They are liars. They're not honest. And they're all about two things, power and money. They lie to you and tell you, you'll get your child back. But you know, we're going to get ours back. We might not have them at the age that we thought we'd have them, but they're not grown yet. They're not even teenagers yet. And they're coming home, thank God, because the Lord has affirmed that they will be coming home. And once God affirms something, you can bank on it. Don't worry. Just keep thanking him and giving him the praise that he's going to turn that thing around. And if you don't belong in that situation, he's going to bring you out. Trust and believe he'll bring you out. Amen. And our daughter is still with us. They tried it, but the judge, the Lord touched the judge and said, I've never done this, but for some reason, I got to let you have your child because I don't see anything, any sign of what they have accused you all of being. So therefore, you don't deserve this. Take your daughter home. And our daughter's with us right now. And God said, that that was six years ago. And God said, this child is going to be at home. You don't have to ever worry about that. And your sons are coming home. So I want you to know, life with foster care, semicolon, how do you cope? Question mark. Get God involved. Trust me. If you get God involved, it'll turn out all right. I love you. I want you to know I feel your pain. I feel your pain. I love you, but God is waiting for you to get him involved. Ask Jesus to help you. Jesus will help you. Jesus, Jesus' mother was his mother, but Joseph was not his father. Jesus knows what that's like. Somebody said, God don't. Well, Jesus knows what that's like. Jesus knows he was taught by a man who didn't even have his blood in him, his DNA. He didn't have none of that, but he taught him as if he was his own son because he was handling the son of God. That's why Jesus knows that if there's any offense that that person, he better be ready for it because he, he going to wish he had a millstone hanging around his neck and that he was drowning than to deal with an angry God. You don't want to fall into the hands of an angry God. And one of the things that really upset him is to offend children. So let's have that hope. Let's realize that hope that we have, people, and that is God will handle it if you let him. Give it to God. Watch him be God in your life. Watch him father you. Gracious and eternal God, I pray that this word has helped somebody today. I pray that this word makes a difference in somebody's life who is struggling and going through due to foster care. Heal them. Somebody probably seemed to have aged overnight. Heal them. Somebody might not even have an appetite anymore. Heal them. Somebody might not even be able to perform and love their husband or their wife the way they ought to be able to because of what's going on with their children. Heal them, oh God. Deliver them. Bring them out. Somebody might have started to lean towards substance abuse and use, alcohol and things of that nature to numb them to reality. Heal them, oh God. In the name of Jesus, Jesus, come into their life. I pray that if you don't know Jesus, ask him into your life right now. He'll help you. Jesus, come into their life. Save them from their sin. Forgive them of their sin. Lord them. Give them the strength they need to be able to deal with life issues to this magnitude. And we'll be so thankful and grateful if you come in and make a difference in their life today. Oh, God. 
people, I love you. I'm going to have to let this go because as I said, it wasn't, it's not easy, but it's doable. I thank God I was able to do what I was able to do by the help of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to know I love you. God loves you. And God wants to see the best for you. Be blessed until next time. Amen.